This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.
Hey guys, it's Mike. As you know, I adopted my pup Rocky from a local rescue. Now, when people ask me what kind of dog Rocky was, I was always stumped. I used an Embark Dog DNA test to decode my most puzzling questions about Rocky. You can also learn about your dog's inner secrets with Embark, the highest rated dog DNA test. Unlock over 350 breeds and screen for over 200 genetic health risks. Save $50 on a breed and health kit with promo code KIT at EmbarkVet.com. Again, that's promo code KIT. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch, now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture, and when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space, just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only excludes Alaska and Hawaii. All right, it's the end of July, which means Ravens are in full swing now over at training camp. They've got the Hall of Fame game in less than a week. So we're back after about a month off of film study with Ken McCusick. We're back. So Ken McCusick, how are you doing? Life's good, Josh. How about you? I'm, I'm doing all right. You know, this is normally, this is baseball season for me. You know I'm a huge baseball guy. And it's different to be an Oriole fan this year because... I'm actually really enjoying it as a lifelong fan. I've gotten over the fact that this team sucks, and I'm really enjoying the trade season this year. Yeah, embracing the rebuild. It's it's pretty easy to do with this team. I, I wish they'd gotten more for Manny. I mean, uh, I'm, you know, one concern I always have about picking up a player from the Dominican Republic or Cuba is really knowing what his age is. And I, I would really like to know how sure the Orioles are that – Diaz is 21 and not 23, for example. It changes his prospect value dramatically. Sure, sure. I get that. But, uh, you know, it's exciting because the Orioles, even a guy like Diaz, the Orioles never go into the international market. So it's nice to see some international guys come in. And then right on the heels of that, it looks like there's rumors that they're going after another uh, Cuban guy where they would actually sign the guy as an international free agent. Mm-hmm. So it's it's uh, as a lifelong fan and a guy who is in it for the long haul and didn't just jump on for these winning years, I'm enjoying the change in direction and the rebuild. Well, me too. It looks like they got a couple of good combination on base and power guys too in in Diaz and Rylan. Yeah, and I'm I'm really excited about what they got for Britain. I think the the pitching is could be exciting. The the guys they pulled in there. I certainly hope so. So, but we kind of been through this with the Ravens for the past five years. Is kind of a, this rebuild? At least I'm hoping it's a rebuild because they've been bad for five years. And I and mean, we, we've seen I, so many guys leave that it's you lived through 14 bad years. The Orioles, just like I do, like I did, and that's bad. What's happened to the Ravens last five years with one playoff appearance and one win? True. A lot of franchises have that. So you are you are correct. Um, I was just trying to work out the transition. Sorry, <laughs> because, man. Sorry to blow your no, segue for no, you. No, you're right. You're right. The Ravens have been average. And I'm yes. and as far as Ravens football, we're not used to average. That's so true. average, this team is still better than the first, what, five years of Ravens football. 
but we're ready. We we can't ex- we don't accept this in Baltimore with the John Harbaugh um, team. Fair enough. So this week the Ravens put out their depth chart. You were at uh, training camp, I think today, right? That's correct. All right, so you got your eyes on these guys. The the depth chart is over on Ravens.com if people want to look at it or just Google Ravens depth chart. But the problem is this depth chart isn't made by John Harbaugh. This isn't his depth chart, right? That that I, he keeps secret. Uh, well, I, I don't think he's telling anybody exactly who's going to start at this point, certainly. But and he, and he has motivational reasons not to do it. And what, the, the depth chart, just to give you a little bit of background, it's produced by the PR department is my understanding. I asked Ryan Mink. That's what he says today. And Ryan wrote it, by the way, a nice piece about there out on the Ravens website. It's worth worth reading. Um, I'm going to have some other notes about it as we go through this. But the point he made is that the, the PR people know how the football operations people want to set up the depth chart, which is that the, the veterans always come before the rookies when there's any doubt at all. So you'll see that permeating this depth chart is the rookies are, are way down on the depth chart, even though they're you know, some of the higher round picks. And if it truly worked out that way, that would be, that would be quite bad. Right, right. And because of that, we're going to start. We're going to go through offense, then we're going to go through defense. And the big storyline, at least nationally, any national article I saw was saying, oh, the Ravens put out this their first depth chart, and the big surprise is quarterback. And so we've got to start with quarterback because, because of how you just said, it's created by the PR department. Veterans are part ahead of rookies. So it's not that surprising that – RG3, who I forgot was on the Ravens, is number two on, in the depth chart. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a little crazy, honestly. Joe Flacco is number one, no surprise there. Lamar Jackson is in at number three with Griffin at two and Woodrum at four. Now, the, the only two guys who are guaranteed a roster spot at this point are Jackson and Flacco. I think we can agree on that. Sure. And Griffin could very well get the Mark Bulger treatment, which means... He gets a hotline in his house, and the Ravens, as soon as there's something that happens to Flacco, call Griffin, and Griffin shows up, particularly if they're still in contention, and is either the backup or the starter, uh, potentially immediately, depending on how Jackson has moved along by then. So I think there's a good chance that uh, uh, that Griffin will play for the Ravens this year, and I don't think it's necessarily true that he will be around for the very first game. So, so you're saying that the Ravens will not be carrying three quarterbacks? That, that's right. I think there's a good chance they only carry two, and and I don't think there's enough interest in Robert Griffin league-wide right now. That could change with a big trading camp, but right now that he'd be instantly picked up by somebody else. All right. Um, when you were out there today, did you see much of Flacco, Griffin, and uh, Jackson? Um, Jackson honestly did not get a lot of reps at quarterback, so so uh, Flacco threw the ball extremely well, uh, th- throwing a high velocity. His body turn looks good. His mechanics look good. The ball's on target, generally speaking. He's throwing it remorselessly hard, as the Flacco of old did. Um, there's a lot of, of reasons to feel good. He, he was under-throwing a couple of deep balls today, which w- which led to a few pass breakups. But basically, I, I, I would say that Flacco is throwing the ball very well. What well, was the underthrow caused by that back foot? He loves to throw off that back foot. 
Uh, that's a, you know that is a good point in the past. He, he hasn't been as worried this camp, I don't think, about anybody running into his knee because hey, he's got a jersey on where you can't take a hit. But but also because I think he's he's moving a little past this and has better uh, recovery. He's a little further recovered from his injury, so he's he threw nice teardroppy deep balls. He was just a little bit off on a couple of them. Uh, also hit a couple of them. Chris Moore made a great catch to uh, to haul in one. Another was hauled in by Tim White, so uh, really good throws. All right. You were away for uh, the past week or so on vacation, so I'm not sure if you caught this or not, but Joe Flacco did get some attention, I believe it was last week or a week and a half ago, when he first reported, did his first interviews, and he came out and said, there is no quarterback controversy. The controversy will be completely gone once we start winning. There's a lot of talk about how Flacco is more motivated but then the Ravens spin it as he's just healthy, and we have a full 100% Flacco this year that we haven't had for the past few years. Do you buy the health angle, or do you think he's motivated because Jackson's in the building? Yeah, you know what? I think it's both. I, I think he really is healthy, and I, can see, I think you see it in his mechanics, and I think he's more motivated, and apparently he did have two days of uh, away from the building individual throwing sessions with receivers. So that's good to see. I mean, you know, you'd maybe like it to be even more, but that's something. And uh, getting that timing down and just being a little bit more pre- prepared for camp, he probably will not even play in the Hall of Fame game. In fact, a lot of the starters may right. not play. But, uh, but he's going to be prepared for this preseason, I think, uh, well, and I think he'll be prepared for the regular season. And it doesn't hurt that there's a fire, you know, right behind him. Right. Those, those two uh, throwing practices is two more than the past five years. It's what we've heard. Right. Um, all right, well, let's move on to the offensive line. Since we're kind of setting that aside of it's going to be Joe and Lamar, what, how are we looking at the offensive line? So the offensive line, the depth chart is, I think, as you would expect. So Marshall Yonda, who has not yet you know, played a snap in camp, uh, is still listed as a starter at right guard. And the one guy who we are 100% sure, if he is available, where he will be playing is Ronnie Stanley. So he's the first left tackle on the depth chart. And when you go to second, it's Greg Sanat. So one thing that is interesting about this depth chart is they don't try and give multiple positions for players. They could have James Hurst as a starter at one position and a backup at two others, for example. But they don't do that. They only put the guy in one place. They put Hurst as the starting right tackle ahead of Orlando Brown. And again, this is a case of you know, rookie's got to earn it, and uh, and he, quote-unquote, hasn't yet, although now Brown is taking every snap with the first team at right tackle, and I, there's every expectation that he would be the starting right tackle on opening day. The only chance I see at this point is injury. Gotcha. Um, All right, so in the in, I, I'm sorry, let me go a little further if you don't mind. Yeah. The, the, on the injuries, on the inside, um, injuries are, are playing a factor right now with, with Yonda being out. And with Alex Lewis also missing today, and he, uh, Harbaugh mentioned that none of the injuries currently are serious. It's just normal camp stuff, soft tissue, which, you know, it, it could mean a hamstring injury. It could mean other pulls. Uh, but anyway, not not anything serious so far. No season-ending injuries. The Chargers have already had two, but the, the Ravens are, are having a better camp this year. And... Um, Alex Lewis just not there, so Jermaine Illuminor was at left guard today. Matt Scura was at center, and at right guard they had Hurst. So they moved Hurst around a little bit uh, on the line. If they went into the season 
like that, I think it would be very disappointing. I do expect Lewis to be a starter somewhere in the line. I expect Hurst to start. Um, I, I think that Matt Skura may be the odd man out, which would, which would mean that Lewis is starting at center again. And, and some of that's predicated on the fact that Lewis needs to get some weeks at center during the preseason. So that will be one of the things we'll be really watching during the preseason is who's playing where and for how long. And I think more than almost any other position, you can tell a lot about what the plans are from that. All right, because Lewis isn't even on the depth chart for center. So no, he's not. He's not. He's only only in at left guard because you're only in at one position. So yeah, he's right. Yeah. And why 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 don't you think they'll, they are they worried to start Skur there? Is, are they he, don't think he can handle sm- it yet? Yeah, he's a little bit smallish in terms of uh, physicality, sand in the pants, whatever you want to call it. Uh, a little bit short arm too. Uh, I think he's a smart guy. He went to Duke, and uh, uh, you know that doesn't necessarily mean anything. But it, but in his case, I think it, he he is a, a sharp guy. So I don't think that's the issue at all. I think it's it's a matter of is he physical enough for the position? And he, and he was not quite physical enough for guard to be a road grader. He was good enough and smart enough to hold his own on the back end of combination blocks, get to level two, and make some good choices. But and graded pretty well in my system. Uh, but anyway, I, I don't think that, that he's the ideal choice to start at center. I think they would have loved it if Bozeman came into camp, lit the world on fire, or if uh, Nico Siragusa had come back from his injury with the physicality he's got, and, and, and he would be the closest thing to Ryan Jensen if that were to occur. Uh, but, but Nico still, although he got reps at center today with the second team, seems to be a little hobbled, and I think... He is on the bubble right now in terms of whether he makes this team. All right. Um, the guy you didn't mention and all that, I don't think, is Greg Sanat. And he's, uh, he's the only backup for Stanley? Yeah, so I, I, that, I believe that actually to be the case. Because if you look at all the other tackles on the roster, Orlando Brown might be the guy that you'd move to left tackle because he played there in college. But, you know, all Brown's strengths... I don't think they exactly fit the left tackle position at the pro level. I think he's more prototypical as a right tackle. Hopefully we'll need to get his physical strength in hand. It, at, the, at the college level, he did a great job of engulfing uh, pass, rush, pass rushers and was a really good pass blocker. But I think the guy who, who makes the most sense is the guy they really chose as a prototypical left tackle prospect, and that's Greg Sanat, who has a basketball background, for those of you who don't know. Went to Wagner. I think he played only two years at Wagner, but he did play basketball. And, uh, you know, with the size and length he has and the feet from basketball, he, he's, he's more prototypical in terms of the guy you want to move and pass block on that blind side. So I, I'm excited about him as a left tackle prospect. I'd love them to find a way to keep him on the roster because right now I don't see what they're going to do if anything happens to Ronnie Stanley. All the options they've tried in the past Hurst and Lewis, um, you know, they've, they've failed. And I don't think they want to go back to that again. So I think that, you know, having Sanat available somehow, whether it's um, on, if he's on IR, but, but, they, but they have a plan that they could DTR him, meaning, meaning they could designate to him to return, or if he's on the roster taking the ninth spot and he's just inactive every week, which is often done with developmental offensive linemen. It was done with Ryan Jensen for a year or so. And it, it can still leave that player available in an emergency. So I think there are reasons to keep him. They're going to have to make some tough cuts around him in order to make that happen. So it, it won't be easy. Gotcha. Uh, let's move on. 
with running back. And Alex Collins, last year he got almost 1,000 yards for the season. He was getting up there with a uh, struggle in line, I guess is the best way to say that. Can we see Alex Collins as being able to build on that this year? And what about the depth chart at running back? Okay, so Alex Collins is, is clearly the number one back at this point. There have been problems. Uh, Kenneth Dixon now has some sort of injury problem. Again, not expected to be long-term, but uh, left practice yesterday with a trainer, and that's always disappointing. Missing time is not good this year. Um, Buck Allen, in my mind, has not stood out, and his yards per touch last year were very disappointing. It's hard to stand out at running back in a camp where tackling is not yet allowed. And it's just one of those things that you need to see how a running back is able to break and avoid tackles to really know how good your run game is. Okay. And and you also don't know because you, you can't see your lineman cut block if that's what you want to do. And it's just, you know, it's something we need live game action to uh, to see what will happen. So we'll, find, we'll see some things from the Hall of Fame game probably. My guess is Alex probably won't play much in the Hall of Fame game. And uh, the, the Allen may play a little bit. And we'll see some of these undrafted free agent running backs. And the Ravens have three on their roster. So it's uh, DeLance Turner, uh, Mark Thompson, and oh, I always forget the third guy's name. Uh, Dixon? No, not, yeah. not Kenneth Dixon. It's Gus All Edwards. Right. Is the oh, Gus Edwards. UDFA. Gotcha. So Ken Dixon got hurt yesterday at practice. So he may be out of the Hall of Fame game already at this point, even though it's a few days away. Um, you know, maybe just a, a, a short-term muscle injury. I don't think it's serious, judge, judging by Harbaugh's post-camp uh, conferences uh, press conference today. But uh, anyway, not not good news to be injured any time during the preseason. Right. Uh, um, Mar- Mark Thompson looked terrific today, by the way. He he got a wheel route for a big gain, and he had a stretch play to the left where he showed a lot of burst. I was very happy with what I saw there. And of the UDFA running backs, he looks like he's at the head. Gotcha. The uh, the Hall of Fame game, it's, it's coming up this Thursday. Do the coaches and teams enjoy playing in the Hall of Fame game? Do they see the benefit of, of getting that early pads-like practice? Or do they – is it such low-level guys that they put in that game and they got to – travel to play it that it's more of a pain i think the coaches probably appreciate getting the extra week of the camp more than they dislike the extra injury risk of the game so they they they, you know harbaugh said today you know we need more practices to get better kind of thing one of the things he talked about is that they're not likely to have a tackling practice before the game so you know they're using that game as a padded tackle practice if you want to call it right it'll be against live fire and then the week after that, they immediately get into these padded practices with the Rams where they'll be, uh, you know, hitting going on before that, that game against the Rams. So they're going to go through a stretch of about uh, eight to ten days here where, where it's going to be a very hard-hitting uh, week for this young team, and they're, they're going to need to uh, figure out what they're made of. All right, so they can step camp up a little bit without worrying about fines or anything. And then losing uh, whatever they lost some early practices, so yeah, that's that's good. That's good. You get a guy into the Hall of Fame, and you get rewarded with the Hall of Fame game. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's move on to wide receiver. This is always going to be the the big story outside of the quarterback controversy because wide receivers have struggled so much in Baltimore. We get to yeah. see Michael Crabtree this year. 
Is that going to change things? Yet a new class of free agent wide receivers. So the first on the depth chart are are Willie Sneed as the slot receiver, uh, Michael Crabtree at at, uh, one outside, and John Brown at the other outside receiver. No real surprises. Those guys have been getting the first team reps all camp. I think that's the way it'll probably uh, end up or start the season anyway. The guy who's really stood out during camp, well, a couple guys, are Chris Moore and Tim White. Now, Tim White, a lot of what he's done is as a return man. And he's now got a second spot on the depth chart, which means you know, the, the PR department, at least, is projecting him to make the team. Chris Moore also has a second spot on the depth chart. And honestly, he's played so well. He's not. There's no way he could fail to make the team, but uh, he, uh, I think, is probably going to get more snaps than, than a fourth receiver would typically on, a, on an NFL team. And then, you know, Brashad Perriman somehow uh, has pictures, obviously, of Ravens Brass and got his uh, roster bonus paid on the third day of camp and is still around. And there's a real question as to whether or not he'll still be on the team. I heard, uh, I heard that Brashad Perriman this offseason learned how to catch. That, that guys are saying he actually looks like he knows how to catch the football this year. Did you see anything today? Uh, you know, during the OTAs, I, he probably showed a little bit better hands and certainly flashed some speed. But they, it's not like there haven't still been issues with drops, and that's really been the problem all along. Oh, I still don't uh, trust Perriman. Yeah. Uh, he, 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 it's a funny situation at camp today because the field judge – on our side of the field, and I'm t- talking about where the media was standing, uh, had the most over-officious day you'll ever see. It's almost like it was his first day ever as a ref, and he really wanted to show off to the other refs that he understood the rules and what pass interference was and, and what you know uh, defensive holding was. And he called like six penalties, and the rest of the entire officiating crew might have thrown about two the whole, <laughs> the whole practice. Well, that makes sense because nobody knows what those calls are. <laughs> but anyway, it, it was funny to watch. And, and the reason I bring it up for, with Perriman is that he made a nice catch early in practice where he went up between two defenders and got separation initially from an outside corner. And then he was immediately flagged by the guy whose flags later on turned to be very frequent. So uh, uh, Rashad didn't look terrible today. He, he also didn't look great, I'd say. Uh, he did not was not able to contest for a deep ball when it was thrown a little bit to the inside, which was a little bit uh, sad to see. Uh, not necessarily that he would have caught it, but just that he would have had a better chance to catch it maybe would have been nice. Uh, anyway, uh, I, I'm not ruling out the possibility he makes the team, but I don't really see a lot that the Ravens have to gain from having him around since he doesn't really have any option value right. after this season. And the, the guys we haven't mentioned yet, Lasley and Scott, are the two draft picks uh, you know, in the mid-rounds for the Ravens. And Lasley is, has played very well this camp. And Jaleel Scott you know, sets up as a really nice red zone threat because he's a very tall receiver from New Mexico State. Um, those guys have got to be in the plan somehow, whether it's on the team, you know, sent to IR with a mysterious injury, whatever it might be. I mean, I don't think those guys are going to be cut. So I don't really see how they end up keeping Perriman in this uh, in this situation. Even with seven receivers, I'd see him as an odd man out if the Ravens go uninjured through the preseason with their big seven. Perriman must be a really nice guy. He must be someone that everyone likes because he keeps getting more chances in the organization. Uh, let's move on yeah. to tight end. Uh, you know, I don't need you to comment on whether Perriman's nice or not. Yeah, that's that's great. We can we can just stick with the stats. Um, are there really six guys 
in, uh, for tight end? Well, I don't think there are six guys who are going to make the team, obviously. The Ravens may carry three. They may carry four tight ends. But this is where rookie hazing has really taken over in the depth chart. I think it's just a, a Twilight Zone-like result here that the PR department has created. Nick Boyle is the number one tight end and valuable player. Certainly could help the Ravens this year. Might even be their best tight end, but it wouldn't be a good result if he gets the most snaps, the most playing time, the most production even. Uh, you know, Obviously, they invested a first-round pick in Hayden Hurst at number 25. They better get a top-of-the-depth chart tight end out of, a, out of a selection like that. Mark Andrews was selected a little later in the fourth round, but big things are also expected of him. And he's listed as a third tight end, along with Vincent Miley. Hayden Hurst is listed as a fourth. I don't think I mentioned that before, uh, on the same level as Nick Kaiser. And Max Williams, who may not even make the team, he may, he may not, is the second string tight end. So very difficult to fathom how they came up with that, other than a formula that basically just says the rookies are going to be put down. Gotcha. Um, have you ever thought of writing out this depth chart so people can really go through what you think the depth chart should be? The, the Ken McCusick depth chart? Yeah, I mean, that, that would be, that'd be interesting. But one of the problems with the depth chart is this, that if you don't use the same names at multiple positions as the backup, you don't really have what it'll be. And for positions like the offensive line, it's a very, it becomes a very complex diagram of how you move people around. Uh, to, to, gotcha. to portray in a depth chart. Right, so, once you so get I, behind the starter. Yeah, exactly. That makes a so lot I, of sense. Yeah, and, right. and it's true in the secondary. It's true in defensive line. It's true at really at a lot of positions. All right, well, let's move on to the defensive line um, because that was the story last season was the defense started out strong, and then we said, wait a second, maybe this defense isn't that good. So I think there's a lot of questions on the defense going into this season. Right. So, so the defensive line was one of the real strengths of the team at the beginning of last year. Their, their starting three are the same starting three that are on the depth chart here, which is Brandon Williams at defensive tackle or three tech, Michael Pierce as the nose tackle, and that's where they started the very first game of last year, and Brent Urban at defensive end. And that group was playing a ton of snaps early in the year. In fact, Willie Henry was not even active for the first two games while the Ravens were destroying the Browns and the Bengals not in that order. And then Willie Henry came around week three and he had the highest percentage of snaps for the rest of the season. Well, now in camp, we've been seeing Willie Henry being used as the starting three tech with Brandon Williams moving back to the nose and Michael Pierce coming in rotationally. Now, if that holds up, that would represent a substantial reduction in snaps for Pierce who led the team in defensive line snaps last year. He had 54 point something percent of the snaps for the year and was just ahead of Henry in terms of snaps for the year. Um, I don't really think he's going to have his snaps cut by that much, so I think that he will have to start many series as the nose tackle with Williams at the three tech. And honestly, I believe Willie Henry, who slimmed down, lost about 20 pounds, looks fantastic. Might even remind some people of Pernell McPhee, you know, especially those who are projecting and really want him to be Pernell McPhee. Uh, he might be a player that would do well to have fewer snaps and be fresher as a pass rusher. All right. That's um, just making my notes here so I can follow along with you. So um, 
Well, why don't we move on with linebackers? Okay. Oh, I, I probably may, ought to mention one more thing. Sure. It looks like they might they might have made just a, a mistake inside on the chart here. But Chris Wormley, who was a five technique, is listed as the back backup nose. He was a five technique last year. I'm not aware that he's moved to nose tackle, but then I've, I've missed a lot of camp on this trip. So uh, I'm not sure if he may have moved. But Carl Davis has been moved to defensive end on this chart. And he's really a, a jumbo or a heavy who would be a – uh, a defensive tackle or a nose tackle only and not a five tech typically. So uh, I think they've just got the names reversed on this chart. Um, otherwise, the, the the big name after that is Zach Sealer, who's the seventh round pick. And I, I think he has a chance to make the team, but probably ends up on IR. Um, but I hope the Ravens won't give up on him. He's definitely got the size and five tech is going to be a place where they need help in the coming years with Brent Urban uh, likely leaving after 2018. All right, and that goes to what you were saying about once you get past the first guy, the other guys are kind of sometimes out of position in order to make a depth chart full. Yeah, that's that's a good point. All right, uh, let's move on then to inside linebacker. Okay, so so inside linebacker, uh, C.J. Mosley is a, a unquestioned number one at the Mike linebacker spot, and for many years now, the Ravens have used the Mike linebacker spot to call signals, call defensive signals. In fact. I think they've done it every single game since the first game of 1997 when Ray took over for Eric Turner, who called the signals in 1996. And I'm not aware that there's been a, been a non-Mike defensive signal caller for the Ravens since then. So that's the guy with the, the helmet microphone right. and whatnot. And uh, you, know, you, could, you could give that job to a safety. Rex Ryan gave it to Jim Leonard, who really knew his defense, when he brought Jim Leonard to New York. Um, and, and so it is possible to give it to a safety because they play a high percentage of the snaps, but usually it's a Mike linebacker, and that kind of commits that player to play every single snap, and effectively Mosley does that unless he gets hurt. Uh, the guy backup, uh, Mike linebacker, is Albert McClellan. Uh, Bam Bradley is the guy I think would be the best backup for CJ. In fact, he'd probably also be the best uh, weak side linebacker if he were really healthy, but he's not, and... Uh, uh, that's a shame. He's on PUP right now and listed as a third-string Mike. Uh, going to the Willbacker position, that's where Peanut uh, plays Patrick Owasso, and he is uh, still listed as the starter there. Harbaugh even mentioned it specifically about a competition between him and, and the draft pick Kenny Young. Uh, he says Peanut is still ahead at this point, you know, but it's good to see competition. Uh, and lots of other coach speak that went along with that. Uh, Kenny Young made some plays, flashed today, also got beat a couple of times. Um, we're really not going to know what he is until we see some live game action to see how effective he can be against the run, which is the, where the Ravens really need him. And the reason is that he will be likely replaced on third down with a dime. Uh, Ravens, from all appearances, look like they're continued to be committed to the dime uh, for this season. They certainly have the depth at safety and at strong safety in particular to, to make good use of a dime. All right. So more more dime. That's what you're always pushing for. You you always want more dime, and it looks like you're going to get dime that. Guy. Yeah. And, Ke and Kenny Young, you know, it, that means he has to be good at something that he wasn't great at in college, which is stopping the run. All right. Uh, Terrell Suggs is still on this team. He's still playing football no matter how much we talked about his last year, his final year. Yeah, how, how bad was it that I had him retired midseason two years ago? But the guy 
is still amazing. He's clearly loving the game. Uh, you know, he, he, he loves practice. He didn't say anything really loud or funny today, which was very unusual because almost every day he has a one-liner that just cracks, cracks everybody up. But, uh, yes, he's the number one rush linebacker. Uh, the guys they have behind him at rush linebacker are both good prospects. Uh, Zadarius Smith had a fine year, but a lot of his contributions came as a pass rusher from the inside, uh, something that actually takes away from his own game some. And uh, it uh, is a sacrifice, frankly, that he makes and, and is a little less effective rushing from the inside. I think he'd be very effective if he were getting more snaps to rush from outside linebacker. And then, of course, they still have last year's steal third-round pick Tim Williams, who is uh, sitting there at the third spot. He's played some good special teams and hopefully is going to get some playing time this year. Uh, this is the year we really need to see what Tim Williams has because it's second year, you can't let two years of option value float away without any return. So hopefully Tim Williams takes a big step forward as a rusher this year and uh, Martindale can figure out how to get him in there somehow. All right. Um, what about Bowser? Is this the year he makes a push? Uh, I, I love it. The Sam linebacker spot is crowded. Um, Matthew Judon, by the way, he came to the podium today, and that guy is huge. And I mean he's huge in every dimension. He looks to me like he's got way more sand in the pants, as Mike Mayock would say, than he had last year. I mean, he's just huge in his, in his thighs and, and hips. and uh, He was a very good, long cover guy as an outside linebacker last year. Looks like he's got the sand in the pants to set the edge this year, so... We'll see how much he jumps forward. It's going to be very interesting to see his development. Uh, he, he certainly looks physically like he's he's very prepared for this season. In fact, there's several Ravens, i got to say, who look like they've invested in themselves this season more than usual. Last year, you know, we talked about it a little bit, but Ryan Jensen really made a great effort to invest in himself. And, and I think Matthew Judon is one who looks just much bigger than he did before. Um, uh, Bronson Kafusi, we didn't talk about on the defensive line. He looks huge this year. I mean, look, he looks like he could step in an outside linebacker and be an edge setter. So uh, the Ravens have some options at the sandbacker. And Tyus Bowser played well last year. Unfortunately, he walked off the field with an injury today. So I'm, I'm a little concerned about that. We don't know anything about how serious that is. Uh, it wasn't a uh, stretcher injury. It was a walk off the field of the trainer. So if it's similar, I mean, it might be a hammy, might be some other muscle, muscle pull. They just want to take be precautionary about, but hopefully it's nothing serious anyway. And then the third string Sam linebacker right now listed is Kamalai Correa. And he's moved back there and trying to give himself another chance at outside linebacker. Or the, the Ravens coaches are trying to give him another chance at outside linebacker after he failed at inside linebacker. My guess would be if he makes the team, which I don't think is a sure thing, that he'll be a core special teams player again this year and have a very limited role on defense. Maybe they can find a spot for him, maybe they can't, but the outside linebacker position is extremely crowded. All right. Um, Jimmy Smith, last year was kind of, he had a weird end into his season. Achilles tear and four-game suspension to finish the season. Yeah. You've got him coming in uh, – Still, not, He's number one on the depth chart behind Tavon Young, who I'm really excited for because I really enjoyed the first year we got to see Tavon Young for a few games before his injury. So how are we looking out in the cornerbacks? 
Okay, so so cornerback, NFL teams effectively have three cornerback spots because you play about 70% of your snaps, as the Ravens played 68% last year, in the nickel or dime package. And in the nickel or dime package, you have a slot cornerback. So you have your third cornerback on the field. And effectively, Brandon Carr is number one at left corner, as the depth chart says now. And once again, this is a case of the younger player just getting a little less respect. Jimmy right. Smith is the number one at right corner, and Tavon Young is actually listed as the second at right corner, but he's number one slot corner is what he is. So, uh, you know, those are the three guys that I'm not sure we're going to see because Marlon Humphrey is the Ravens' best corner. And he has been burned badly these last two days for, for touchdowns. He got burned for about four scores yesterday, as I read in the paper. And today, going to camp, he got beat a couple more times, including a a big pass interference penalty down the left sideline where he still allowed a diving one-handed grab by Chris Moore on the play uh, that was uh, it was kind of bad. So uh, he's he's uh, had a tough camp so far, but I still believe that he's he's the Ravens' best corner, uh, particularly as the injuries are set up and, and, and you know where we are in Jimmy Smith's career. Uh, he's certainly the guy the Ravens have to look to to be their number one cornerback going forward. But that's not all the depth they have. Maurice Kennedy, who played well in the slot for Tavon Young last year, is now listed at left corner as the third-string guy. And Anthony Averett, who's a fourth-round pick and looked really good in OTAs, uh, he's listed as a third-string right cornerback. So that is a ton of depth to have at cornerback. And despite all of that, there are rumors today that the Ravens are looking at former Redskins corner Brashad Breland to bring him in for a tryout and uh, and potentially sign him. I don't see how it really makes sense given their roster, uh, but it could be a, a you know just a veteran cheap depth move that they make to uh, make sure they get through the preseason uh, unscathed and still have a, a, a six man depth chart at corner. Well, it's so they can cut Paraman and still have a Brouchard on the team. Uh, there you go. Um, Safety is again another interesting spot because we brought in Weddle last year. And he had a down year. He didn't go up to what we expected for bringing in a veteran like Eric Weddle. How are we looking in safety? Uh, I, I like Weddle. I, I, you know, he's, he's had 10 interceptions over the past two seasons. And that's the most of any safety during that period. The problem has been usage. When Pease tried to use Weddle up front, it didn't work out. Including on the 4th and 12 play, when he decided to play an inverted zone. And that ended up leaving Kennedy in effectively a free safety spot where he hadn't played before and Weddle up front where he twiddled his thumbs while the, the pass went down the seam for the you know, season-losing score. So uh, I think the, the issue with Weddle last year was usage. Keep him on the back end now at this point in his career. He's a smaller guy to start with, and uh, he could definitely do a lot of positive, productive things. On the other side, Tony Jefferson at strong safety. Uh, has not played as well on the back end, and, and that had been a problem for a long time. Usage, uh, you know, keeping him on the back end had, had been something that Pease wanted to do more so that they were interchangeable parts. Uh, as the season wore on, he changed his, his uh, philosophy and moved Jefferson up front more. Uh, it would be great if Tony Jefferson could learn, learn to play on the back end really well, but what Tony Jefferson's strengths are are tremendous, and the Ravens need to use them up front as well. Now, interestingly enough, today, Tony Jefferson had two interceptions at camp, was a defensive MVP, and 
both of his interceptions were as a deep safety. So the first was on a bracket coverage where the corner uh, lost the receiver a little bit to behind him on a, on a it wasn't a comeback, but he, but he kind of overran the play slightly. John Brown tipped the ball and Jefferson came in and made the interception. So that's a really nice live ball situation where you want to see picks made. And then the second interception was just an overthrow over the middle, the kind we've seen from Ed Reed so many times, where he was able to anticipate those overthrows and be in the right spot in zone coverage. And Jefferson's second interception came that way, and uh, it's really nice to see him play in the back end well. Gotcha. Um, we didn't, I guess, as part of this, uh, as we just went through the defense, the other thing that changed from last year to this year, and you mentioned it briefly there, is Dean Pease retired and Martindale named uh, defensive coach. Are you expecting a different style of play, or are they similar in their theories? I mean, we, we'll certainly see soon enough. I, I think everything we've heard and a lot of the player commentary that's backing this up says that Martindale is an attack, attack, attack guy, more responsibility to the player individually, and, and the players seem to really respond to that. So that's a good thing. Um, I, I think we're going to see... Uh, you know, a commitment to the dime that I like, of course, and, you know, the dime when it's played best gives that dime backer a, a lot of uh, different responsibilities by play, whether they're scripted or, or even whether maybe you give them some freedom in the, in the situation. But uh, it, we didn't mention that before, but, but both Chuck Clark and now Anthony Levine is back at camp. We had, we, I had concerns that he might be PUP to start camp and, and not ready until maybe midseason. But he apparently did not have surgery, as was previously reported on his Liz Frank injury. And he just rehabbed it instead. And he looks to be moving normally. That's what I, you know, was seen today. And I hope he's now going to be able to play this season. So he's a really key piece for the Ravens. Chuck Clark would be the backup there if, uh, uh, if that doesn't work out. Gotcha. Um, all right. Well, that gives me a good spot. I'm sure the listener as well to prepare to for this team and kind of knowing what to watch for in this Hall of Fame game on Thursday as we prepare, even though it's going to be guys in those second, third and fourth slots that we'll see on Thursday. Yeah, I think I think that's some of the fun of preseason. You know, I, I, I still don't like the fourth preseason game because the roster's already been determined by that. But I always love the first couple preseason games, even though you don't see the starters for more than a few plays. It's uh, you really get some some opportunity to see these young guys who still might have a chance to make the team at that point. All right. Well, I know we'll be back next week, later in the week, depending on when this episode comes out. But we'll be back because we got to talk about after the Hall of Fame game because we're going to get to see these guys and see all that come together. Yeah, we'll talk about that, and I think. You know, you mentioned before as we were we were doing our production meeting, you know, we really probably want to pay a little tribute to Ray Lewis and talk about some of his great games. So I'll see yes. what we can put together for that. Yeah, that would be that would be outstanding because he is. He's a guy that the only thing that's going to be better than our podcast next week is his Hall of Fame speech, which will probably be longer than our episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I wonder if he might get the hook on the speech. You know, Ray has been very adept in the later years of his career at putting a lock grip on the microphone that's put in his face. Have you ever noticed that? Oh, he doesn't they, stop. It, no, well, he doesn't stop. But the reason he's able to not stop is he can grab that microphone and hold it so tight no one's getting away from him. So I, I've, I've loved to see that later in his career. Yeah, well, if you notice, on all the schedules, he is given the last speech. 
And they're doing that on purpose because they know that he is going to run over and you don't want the other guys to have to sit through all of that and then try, try to outdo Ray Lewis. <laughs> well, I hope they don't have to flash the lights or do anything else to tell him, you know, your time's over. Right, right. And, if that uh, ended, if, right. If that if he's at the end so they can play him out with some music, I don't think that's going <laughs> to happen. I think we're all in store for a great sermon. Look at, looking forward to it. Um, also, as we prepare for next week, let's bring back the mailbag. So get in your questions, hashtag film study mailbag, and tweet them over to us. Ken, how can people follow you on Twitter and ask you questions and all that? I, I'm the conversation is already in full swing at film study Ravens is my Twitter account. Please love to hear from you there. And if you just add any football question with, with that, uh, at sign with my tag, I, yeah. a, a lot of analysts are chiming in and saying things. It's just, it's a, it's a very fun conversation with good questions get asked. Yeah. It's, it's exciting for football season to be back because baseball season for your average person is not <laughs> so fun right now. Um, yeah. On Twitter, you How about can, your show? Yeah, well, on Twitter, I'm at Josh Soroka. But what I really want you to do is check out my show, Section 336. If you are an average Orioles fan, check out this show. We have a lot of fun talking Orioles, and we'll help explain uh, this and what's going on with the team and why it's good that they got rid of their best players, why it's good that Manny Machado is no longer an Oriole. Because I see a whole lot of complaining and we'll break it down and make it simple for you. There's especially some special episodes specifically about the Manny Machado trade, the Zach Britton trade that you can get now uh, over at Section 336 on iTunes or Facebook. Uh, just type in Section 336 and you can find it anywhere. All right. That sounds good, Josh. Highly recommend his show. All right. Thank you, Ken. All right, Ken. Well, we will talk in a few days. Okay. Sounds good. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch, now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.